Will This Be On The Test Teacher Pod is a podcast by, for, and about teachers. It's not a place where we discuss rigor or teaching methods or sell lesson plans. It's simply a safe space for teachers to share their stories, frustrations, and triumphs, and for our listeners to realize, episode after episode, that they're not alone. Will This Be On The Test Teacher Pod is sometimes funny, sometimes disturbing, but always honest. Hi there. Welcome to Will This Be On The Test Teacher Pod. In our previous episode, if you say you're gay in public, someone's going to shoot you in the head. A teacher fights back and wins part one. We heard the first part of our interview with Brett Bigham, Oregon's 2014 Teacher of the Year. Brett was also Oregon's first openly gay teacher of the year. I'll be doing a brief recap of the episode now, but I urge you to give part one, which is episode 26, a listen. During the interview, we learned about Brett's career up until his award, including his creation of Ability Guidebooks, which are books that have pictures of all aspects of travel to another town, country, or point of interest. These books, which he originally developed to aid one of his students who was prone to meltdowns, become familiar with her destination beforehand. By the way, she had gone home 34 times due to meltdowns in the year prior to having Brett as a teacher. For the following three years in Brett's class, she went home once. These books have been translated into many languages, depict sites all over the world, and are utilized by teachers everywhere. We also learned that after receiving this well-deserved honor, when Brett made a speech and thanked his partner, he was told by his supervisor, if you say you're gay in public, someone's going to shoot you in the head, hence our title. She then proceeded to require Brett to follow a variety of rules, including not talking to anyone without her permission and, quite illegally, handing over his in and outgoing mail to the district for approval. We heard about both the trials that Brett was subjected to by his former district and the outpouring of love and approval he received from so many. However, his district continued their vendetta. We rejoin the interview as Brett realizes that the impact of their actions is not just affecting him. It is having a negative and possibly dangerous effect on his students. Hope you enjoy it. They were now going after my students. They were Mm -hmm. now doing things that were going to impact or hurt my students to get at me. And that is when I realized, okay, it is time for me to stop playing this defensive thing of just, you know, trying to get myself through it. And I realized I had to stand up to protect my children. I had no choice. So I filed the state and federal complaints against my union's advice. Um, I didn't even tell them. (laughs) I found out later. They were okay with it. And then, you know, we kind of went to war because once you, you know, fill out those forms, everything becomes public documents being invested Mm -hmm. by the state. And in their usual fashion, um, you know, I went through the investigation and it had been so incredibly stressful. They made it clear I was not getting my room back. And they basically offered me the same amount of money that I would have earned on my contract to just go. Mm -hmm. The union was clear. You will never make it back into your own classroom. They'll keep you at home the whole time. They will do everything they can to just make your life miserable. Take this money and walk away from your classroom. You have to do it. And I was very tired at that point. I had been fighting so long and I decided, you know, well, I got what I wanted. You know, all of these administrators are gone. 
there was mm -hmm. an election. So a bunch of the school board just got wiped out in the election. It became, you know, my case became one of the top things that was discussed in the whole election. Mm -hmm. And so suddenly, you know, several members of the board were replaced, but then another one couldn't take the publicity. And so she stepped down. And so suddenly there was an all, there were more new board members than old and the district was going to do this change. You know, the superintendent was already fired. So I, I went ahead and accepted the, the money that they sent me mm -hmm. to kind of preserve my health. But the minute I did that, it cl it's closed and sealed the state investigation. And I didn't realize that. And what that meant was nobody would ever officially know what happened. And the district could say what they wanted. They had three sets of lawyers trying to take me down. So their lawyers were perfectly happy to do whatever to make me look bad. Mm -hmm. So the head of the board went public right after uh, the people heard about the, the money and said I was a liar, that the state investigation had ruled in the school district's favor. The only reason they were paying me the $146,000 was because they thought they'd spend more fighting me in court. Mm -hmm. So they went public and said all these things, which left it again, my word against theirs. And they had made up rules. They tried to, they fired me once. I got my job back. They announced they were firing me at the next board meeting. Mm -hmm. Public outcry was so loud that they canceled the meeting the day of the meeting, said we're firing with the next board meeting for all new reasons. And then while they're doing this, they're like sending me messages. Will you please take this money? Will you please take this money? They tried to blackmail me in their um, although I'm not supposed to say blackmail. Um, Influence. <laughs> they were trying to, well, they said, you know, that they basically had told me I'd be fired if I picked up an award I'd won and, mm -hmm. uh, and sent a letter saying if I took back my state and federal complaints against them, they'd let me go get the prize. And that was in writing. They they wrote that in writing. So yeah, stupid. Idiots. <laughs> well, well that, but thank goodness they were mean people, but they were stupid people. Mm -hmm. Um. And so it came down to, you know, their word, though, against mine. And, and that was their plan the whole time. I, you know, just people will believe the school district, but the investigatory offices in the state saw what the district was doing and just said, this is not acceptable. They're telling the public uh, that there was an outcome to this investigation that wasn't the outcome. Mm -hmm. And the state released the entire investigation, including the interviews of the superintendent, of my supervisors, and the general public got to see what was really going on. And it was uh, pretty ugly. Mm. Um, superintendent, she wouldn't even answer questions. She got up and walked out of her interview with the state and just refused to, to answer. My wow. supervisor, the lawyer sat next to her and wouldn't let her answer any of the questions. And mm. they did everything they could uh, to, to cover it up and to keep the people from knowing what was really going on. Mm. And, you know, I figure... By the end of it all, with the three lawyers they had coming in and the settlement to me, and they ended up buying out the superintendent's contract when they fired her, I mm -hmm. think they spent over a million dollars to wow. get me. Hmm. Wow. That's um, great, great use of money there. You know, so think of all the things you could get for students with a million dollars. Just imagine. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the sad part is, is the people that work for this district, it's count. So I worked for the county at the time. So it was county level special education. We only got students that the local districts couldn't meet their needs. So mm -hmm. the most I need students, medically fragile, you know, all of these things going on in their lives that were so difficult. And suddenly a teacher from that system 
was teacher of the year and bringing attention to programs like mine, where quite often these are the kids that are hid away from society. Mm-hmm. And so the young girls are on the cover of the living section, you know, in their prom dresses. Wow. And, um, so my district had this chance to advocate on the most beautiful level for our students and they, they messed it up so royally. That's the mm-hmm. thing that really stands out to me about this. And, and, you know, Ms., you, you said this earlier, it's like they failed to read the room and this was such a golden opportunity for this district to, to just get behind everything that you were doing and really bring so much positive attention to their district. As you said, there was so much support and they just screwed it up so royally based on this complete nonsense idea that it was going to like make them look bad because you're gay. Like, but, but this is, I mean, these are, these are people who are not, you know, as, as we used to say about, youth sports they're not in it for the right reasons in the end they didn't care about the students if they cared about the students they would have used this opportunity to help yeah and they wouldn't have they wouldn't have been targeting a teacher who so clearly was an asset to their district and an asset to the students they didn't give a yeah a good goddamn about yeah and i and i yeah i think you're right and i think this really ends up being they screwed up in in two different ways. They screwed up for their students and they screwed up for their 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 district's reputation. Like, like oh, yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Just timeline wise, when was this? Where where are we in terms of years right now? Well, most often people say when did this happen in the 50s? <laughs> uh, no. So I was uh, the 2014 Oregon state teacher. Right. So it's all very, it's, it's pretty recent history for me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the funny thing is, is that for every bad action that the district did, there was this equally beautiful and good reaction from, from the, just the world in general. Mm-hmm. The reason you've heard about me is, is because uh, when I got fired, it made, you know, international news. The Daily Standard and, or the Daily Mail, excuse me, ran a pretty big article in the UK about it. Mm-hmm. And that kind of got picked up around the world in English speaking areas. So suddenly I'm, I was just this teacher in the basement special ed classroom. And then I was suddenly this representative on my state level, but being fired and then unfired and then everything else that came after that, leading all the way up to the Supreme Court eventually, what that did was create this ripple effect where suddenly my story is being covered on Russian radio, where they're not treating gay people very well. And it's, it's running in the Singapore news where also there's some so, you know, human rights violations going on. And the story rippled across Africa of all places. And I will probably choke up when I tell this story. I, I don't think I've ever made it through, but right after I got removed from my class, before I was fired, but I was removed from the class for two weeks first one of my coworkers called me and said, I know you're having a really hard time, but I want you to Google your name and spell it wrong with an N and the word Nigeria. And I said, what? She said, just, just do it. This is going to make you feel good. So I did that. And up pops this article running in the Nigeria times. And it's an article about me putting up a fight for my rights as a gay person and being, you know, treated poorly, but they ran pictures from our from what they said was our wedding. It was actually a, a visit in the Capitol building with Senator Murphy, but Merkley, excuse me, from Oregon. But they said it was our wedding. And then pictures from the Rose Festival parade of Mike and I on the car. And this is a convertible car covered with flowers. And you can see 
the whole city, you know, lining the road behind us, cheering on this gay couple. So suddenly in Nigeria and other places in Africa where people are being murdered because they're LGBT or Q, suddenly in their press, they got to open up this paper and see Mike and I in a parade, Mike and I getting married, they thought. And I, I, I always want to make sure I'm saying factual things. So that's why I think <laughs> it wasn't quite our wedding. But, but those are messages of hope that little old me in my classroom with the hope, you know, maybe a picture with my husband will, will keep a couple gay kids from killing themselves is suddenly in Nigeria, maybe empowering people who've never seen something like that before. And the yes. fact that it made the news in so many faraway places makes me this change agent on this level that I just, you know, never expected. And, and you would think, you know, there'd be some negative ramifications from it. And maybe there are, there could be a hundred things that uh, slipped by me that didn't happen because of it. But, you know, I was invited to go to Bangladesh, um, which is a, a Muslim country. And I was invited to go there and mentor the first special education teachers in Bangladesh. And to go there as an openly gay man with all this press. I mean, the the State Department uh, had truckloads of, of armed soldiers escorting me around Bangladesh because they were so afraid of an assassination attempt. But this is an example of suddenly in another country, now there's a gay person just there doing some good stuff. Everybody knows he's gay because it's all in the press. And he just went and did some good work and then he left. And the Mugu Foundation of India turned around and gave me their International Innovator Award for going there. I made books, you know, some of my guidebooks while I was there. So suddenly, instead of being this persecuted gay person, I'm uh, someone who's stepping out in places where people like me have not been able to step out before. And my whole career outside of my classrooms with these awards and then the things that I've done after have all come because I share what I do in my classroom. And I, I joked at first when I got the first award that my classroom just went from the basement special ed room to suddenly now my whole state gets to learn about my students and learn about people like me. And it broadened to the country. And then it just, it just became this other thing, just this other thing. And, you know, the fact that my case ended up uh, in an amicus brief from the Supreme court in the Bostock versus Clayton County decision, which is about LGBTQ workplace violations. And, you know, my story ended up, I wanted to set legal precedent with my case. That's why I fought so long and so hard against them. I didn't want what happened to me to happen to someone else. And my case was so clear cut. They lost when they put those written orders on paper. So I knew I could win if I could put, you know, stick it out. And by ending up in that amicus brief, my district became the example of exactly how badly even a school district can treat a gay employee. So again, their actions ended up defining exactly the kind of people I want people to watch out for and to be to know that they exist. And, you know, they made their own bed and then they, they have to lie in that. And I look at that and I just think, well, there's a reason we're all here. I thought mine was to be a teacher. It ends up, maybe I'm here because I'm a fighter. Mm -hmm. I don't, I really can't tell you, but what I can say is that every negative action on my school district's part causes positive reaction in the general world outside of where this happened. And it still impacts me to this day. 
I get contacted from people who know the story. I get a lot of messages. I did some tweets after the Supreme Court last year, Mm -hmm. uh, the year before, where I just kind of shared my story and they went viral. And I I never really understood what viral meant, but 40 million people saw the tweets by the time in two days. And I was getting uh, two to three messages every second, personal private messages from people for days, for days. And I I just, I became a lightning rod and it's an unusual place to be. And I'm not ever sure exactly what my role is because I don't have any other person to look at and say, oh, that's what I'm doing because I'm, I'm doing something that I don't understand (laughs) to be honest. You're obviously doing something right. (laughs) It's amazing. So you mentioned with your, your old district that everybody's gone. And, and so did this event just kind of, I don't want to say go away because I don't think that that's what I mean, but like your district has moved on, you have moved on, but was there ever any kind of reconciliation there? Well, there was that. So there's been a couple things. There's my community and then there's the district. So after my tweets went global or viral, my, that, that old district just got so many messages and, uh, it was amazing to watch. It was like a, a wave, a, a tidal wave of angry people started writing that district saying what you did was not okay. And the district, and mind you, it's all new people there. It's all new administration. And, and my union person is still there. My hero, Alan, is still there. And he has promised me over and over again that what we, he and I did and what the union did and what I did changed the district. So I can sleep at night knowing that all those people are not there at that district in, in the same type of power. Mind you, two of them that were the worst simply changed their names. And one is now the head of special education in another district very close to me here. And the other is on the HR team at one of the local universities. She's a lawyer who you know, sent me a letter, which I'm not supposed to call blackmail, but I can't remember the other word. It's not extortion either. It's one of those words. Um, you know, so they just changed their names and they still work in the field. So, so, so it's not like they went away. They're still working their magic in other places. That's all I can imagine. Dark. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say that. <laughs> but overall, it led the district to actually, they, they put out a public apology right after the Supreme Court ruling. They said that they were sorry. They also, when the, the press asked them, you know, well, is this, what he he said this 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 and this happened they they read him the tweets basically and the the district didn't argue anything they said yeah we have we won't say any of the that we agree those things happened basically um and that's putting words in their mouth they were basically saying they agreed with what i said without owning it all but but see that led to the today show coming in and they interviewed the parents of my students so my parents and my kids who got left out of this whole thing it took five years six years, but they finally got asked, how did this impact your kids? Yeah, I actually saw that article when I was, uh, yeah. One of the moms, you know, she called me and she told me, you know, I don't know if you, I might choke up here. This is hard to talk about. But she said, you know, I don't know if you know how important you were to these kids, because my kids, I had three of her children. It's a it's a foster home for kids who are on um, have tracheotomies and have to use breathing machines, ventilators, and high, high needs, you know, medical issues. And I've had three of her kids in my class. And 
She's like, my kids still have the pictures you drew them on their wall. And we're talking five and six years later. You know, I had a student who was autistic and blind and terrified to be at school. And the only thing that calmed him down and made him have a good day was my voice reassuring them, you know, hey, it's okay, I'm right here. Kids sat next to me all day, every day, crying. No fire drill, no fire drill, because uh-huh. he was so scared of fire drills. And I'm the only, you know, I would get him calmed down and he could have a peaceful moment. And one day I was just gone. Mm-hmm. And he's this young man who's blind and he's autistic and he can't see anybody. He just has the voices and nobody's explaining to him what happened. He just lost the person that made him feel safest. So the Today Show, this is where I'm choking up. I told you it would happen. The Today Show gave my kids a a chance to say it hurt them. It was important. Yeah, because I I think the thing that's that's lost in all of this is, is what we were talking about earlier, and it's how it affects your kids. And I'm, oh. I'm so I'm so glad yeah. to hear that they were given that opportunity to to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Well, they weren't treated right. I mean, in my district. So after I left the room, they uh, I'd been given a lot of prize money over the years. Um, the, those couple of years, so I had about seventeen thousand dollars in prize money, and I spent it all in my classroom. And when they kicked me out. They went down to my room and they took everything that I had purchased and put it in the hallway with the free sign. And it wasn't even in a school building. It was in an admin building. So just like anybody who wanted it could just come take my stuff. And that included things like my fish tank with the fish in it. And I had students who were wheelchair bound and they couldn't get out. They couldn't move much. And this one girl, she used to sit and look at the fish all the time. And I'd sit with her and we'd make, I'd make up stories. She couldn't speak. So, but she could hear I mean, normal intelligence, but a body that wasn't allowing much uh, expression. And, and we'd sit there and I'd make up stories about the fish, you know, like, like if they were like swimming around and be like, oh, blue fish is really mad at orange fish today. And I just make up these like ridiculous stories. Oh, you ate my worm, you know, whatever. <laughs> she would, that was one of her like nice moments during the day when she would just like sit and watch the fish because that's her whole life was sitting and watching. And they just like wheeled it out and got rid of it. And while my kids were still there and it, to, to this day, I'm still, you know, $17,000 worth of paper and glue sticks and, you know, every cool art thing you ever saw. And my kids were so spoiled. And for them to just dump that away like garbage was like dumping my kids away like garbage. That's how it felt. And, you know, some of those fish I'd had for 15 years, I don't know what happened to them. I'd like to know what happened to my fish. Yeah. So it was, it was a lot of pettiness and a lot of cruelty. And, and in the end, it served, it did serve a purpose because I don't believe that those things are going to happen again anywhere in my, where I live. People know I'm here. The community knows I'm here and they know I'll fight for kids. And, and that was the second part of this question I wanted to answer. You asked me about, you know, how it ended. And the thing with my community was they always supported me and it was it still happens. So this is a, a constant in my life now. I don't, I, I don't know if it'll ever go, at least not until I look a lot different or something, but I get stopped by the public all the time. And not so much now with COVID because I'm just at home, but, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but people would just want to stop and tell me they're sorry that they saw what happened to me and that they were really sorry. 
and it was a sad, you know, that kind of was getting to me. It, it was all these people were just sorry for me. I'm like, don't be sorry for me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting, you know, I, I don't need sad. And I went to Albertson's grocery store one day on my way to school and was buying some muffins and stuff for my staff. And the checker said, I want to talk to you. And she leaned over because there's people in line. And she said, what happened to you wasn't fair. And I'm just really sorry. And it meant a lot to me watching you stand up for yourself. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. And so then, you know, I'd stop there like once a month to get treats for my staff. And the next time she said, you know, I'm, I'm about ready to quit my job. I just can't take it here anymore. You know, they just treat everybody so poorly. And I, I look at you and you stood up for yourself and it just makes me feel like I should, but I'm ready to quit. And I'm thinking, oh, don't quit because of me. You know, don't, <laughs> don't want, you won't have any food to eat. It'll be my fault. But so I left and I came back a couple of days later to pick something else up and she's there again. So she didn't quit. And I was like, oh, she didn't quit. Good. I don't have to feel guilty. And she goes, I have to talk to you. And she's real serious this time. And she pulls me out of line and takes me over. And she goes, the other day when you left, she said, I had it. I just had it. I decided I was going upstairs. I was going to stand up for myself and I was quitting this job and I was going to tell them why. And she goes, look what happened. And she opens up her sweater and she is now the assistant oh, manager. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> up there and she let him have it. She went up and said, what you're doing isn't right. She gave me credit for it. She said, you showed me that I could stand up for myself. Wow. And those are the messages I get from people in my community now. I get young LGBTQ people who will recognize me and say, I feel like what you did, you did for me. And it made all the difference. And that's the role I lead now. I, I'm not that guy fighting. I'm not someone who got thrown away or treated poorly. I got to be an example to people of how they have to stand up for themselves. And man, I, it, wasn't the, it wasn't the role I thought I would have, but it is a good role and it's an honorable place to be. And um, I'm good with that. I'm, I'm listening to your story and I'm thinking about how how I might have reacted to those things and and probably the stupid things that I would have done and said in response to the these things that happened to you. And I, I think it's it's really a a testament to your character, the way that you hung in there and 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 fought for yourself, but also maintaining the integrity of someone who who has a job to do and has kids to protect. I think a lot of people would have handled that situ situation a lot more uh what's the word I'm looking for? Uh impulsively i guess like is if that makes any sense well you know as a gay male teaching we have a second set of rules in the classroom and you know it's not something we talk about a lot but there just simply are there are things i do to keep my students and myself really safe that other teachers don't have to think about so i've always been very careful in how i do things i always have wanted to make sure that you know, there'll never be any reason my parents could have a worry. Um, and, you know, people don't like to discuss that, but it's out there and, and it, it is part of people's thoughts. But I have had a lot of threats. I've had a lot of uh, negativity thrown my way over the course of my career. And after a while, you kind of have to make a decision if you're going to hide or if you're going to just deal with it. And I had made that decision that, you know, I'm, I'm just going to deal with it. And I'll tell you, I got, a, I got some threats that were very disturbing. The local paper here 
you know, granted, I was when I was teacher of the year, they run the most lovely stories. Um, they had a full full page. Mr. B is something special with this giant photo in this this article. And, you know, that's followed up by why is the teacher of the year fired and all of these very questioning, why would this happen? And the message was he did something really awful to be fired. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the plan, I think, in there was just to let people fill in what they thought might have happened. And I basically didn't allow that to happen. I decided that if they're going to make an example out of me, it's not going to be the example they thought they were going to make. So now here we are, it's, you know, the Supreme Court decision comes down in 2020. You know, you get your apology from the district. You think, okay, we're making progress. And here we are in 2022 and it feels like we're going backwards. We are not going backwards because you're going to have to have people like me kicking and screaming the whole way. <laughs> but here's the thing. And people, you know, we, we look at politics and we look at current politics through our own viewfinder of our own experiences, but this is nothing new. This is nothing new. We have an empowered far right right now, and it's scary to see, but it is not the first time the far right has been empowered in this, this country. And we have fended them off consistently through the entire history of this country. But that does not mean they don't push us towards the right. It doesn't mean we don't give up some ground every once in a while, but we claw it back. We fight and we claw it back. Recently, this is, um, it, it's not a surprise. Anybody who is paying attention in the 80s with Phyllis Shafley and and those people knew exactly what these people were doing. And this is what they were trying to have happen. They want mm-hmm. a religious leadership in this country that only follows the rules of their religion. And we mm-hmm. all know people like that in our own communities. I grew up in an extremely religious community, singing in a choir. I was the gay boy, the tall gay boy in the very middle with all of these very religious people around me who all sang in their church choirs. And all they did was talk about how each other was going to hell because the Mormons and the Catholics and the, <laughs> everybody else couldn't get along. And the only thing I think they agreed on was that I was going to hell first. And they <laughs> but it's no different. It's, it's the same thing that we always go through. The difference right now, though, is that the rich have taken over so much of the media and are able to propagandize the television and the internet. And that's what they're doing. Well, that's the the other difference too, is in the past, you didn't have the internet. You didn't have social media. 24 hour news cycle. You didn't have, you know, you tweet out something and it's out there for everyone within seconds. It's, it makes it, it just moves quicker and, I find it very, you know, scary. It's terrifying, but our message is moving just as quickly. My message moves just as quickly as those hate messages. So it's a matter of, of countering those things. And, and here's the, the th- I've talked with this with my husband because he's pretty distraught about some of this. And, and I say it's, it's a pendulum and it swings and it swings and bless President Obama. He was a, he's a lovely man. He was incredibly kind to me. The White House was incredibly supportive of me during all of my issues. And I mean, I was getting calls in my classroom from the White House 
the president asked nice. us to call and see if you're doing okay today. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so the White House was extremely kind to me. And I'll say right now, President Obama was much too centrist for my liking. He was not as, you know, people are like, oh, the left has taken over with President Obama. He was very much in the center. A lovely man. But his being a black man, I think, counted as that swing to the left when it shouldn't mm -hmm. have. And now we have the opposite swing to the right, and it's a very powerful one, but it's going to swing back to the left, and they went too far. And that's what always happens with the religious right. If you give them one mile, they take 10, and then people, they define themselves, and then people walk away from them. And that's what we're going to see, I think. But I'm, I'm happy to hear, and it's kind of like what you said before, you're that calming presence, and I'm very grateful to hear what what you're saying because it it does make sense it it is a pendulum and it, it it will even out in the end but it's hard to see that right now because it it just seems so bad this is my personal experience of of kind of how bad some of i can't i'm not going to talk in a lot of detail here kind of been asked not to but the threats against me were so strong that during the inauguration the fbi had advised us to be out of our home so we were staying in a hotel. There was a police officer at my mother's house during the inauguration. And here's the deal. Wow. Those people want to scare you so much that you shut up and you do what you're told. And their whole, whole shtick is high school bully, junior high school bully. And if you don't stand up to them, then they just stand a little taller and they stand a little taller. So, you know, we've, we've paid a price for being in the media spotlight. I, I don't know what to call it, um, under the microscope of the media maybe. So in my own home, we, we've paid a pretty, uh, pretty high price, I think, to stand and fight, but there's no other choice. You know, there just simply isn't a choice because silence is complicity, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah absolutely. Yes. It's, well, this was just, uh, um, and yeah. it's amazing and you and you are amazing you are just you know standing and fighting and fighting for your students it's just it's it's incredible and i urge our listeners to go and look at the today show story because it really it is really affecting even you know i read the amicus brief from uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center. And it's just, and your story is in there, but others as well. And, and it's just, it's something that is just really disturbing. This is the kind of story that I just, I live for. That the story of someone standing up to a bully, the the, the David and Goliath sort of thing, and, and you overcame. And it's so inspiring to me, you know, and it's, it's amazing. Thank you for, for joining us today. Oh, well, you're very welcome. I'm, I'm really honored to be here. I, I had realized a while ago the path, you know, you think you're going on a path and sometimes you get picked up by life and put on another one. And I just have really tried to make sure I take the, the interest people have placed in me and the interest, the media, and I've used it to basically push forward for my kids. We didn't talk about it, but the National Network of State Teachers of the Year, which is NSTOI, they let me survey all their members, um, books they use for social justice. So, you know, right after I was fired, we put out the social justice book list, which is 300 books that are by grade level on different areas of social justice. And when I made that, it was a two-pronged thing. One, it was to give teachers a good list of books 
that vetted teachers are using, but the other was to make a tool so that if a teacher in Kansas got in trouble for using a social justice book that was on that list, they could say, well, the most respected teachers in the United States, including teachers of the year from our own state, have put together this information of what they feel are the best books for us to use. And that's what I was using to guide my book choices. Wow. It's a tool to support teachers that are maybe in those faraway places and didn't have a community support like I did. And those teachers do exist out there. I hear from them all the time. I hear from straight teachers who are GSA advisors who are now under fire because they stood up for their, their LGBT youth that they're supposedly, you know, supposed to be mentoring and looking out for. And um, same, you know, with LGBTQ te uh, you know, teachers as well, that they, you know, have come under fire. So, you know, I've, I've tried to take whatever clout and whatever interest people have in me and turn it into a tool for other people to benefit from. And my part in that Supreme Court case is very little. I'm, I'm an amicus brief. Of the, I'm an example of what can happen. But luckily, I was that clear-cut example that you cannot argue. Yeah. You can be mm -hmm. the most conservative Republican in this country, and they can sit next to me. And if they are told, my boss said I had to turn in all of my mail, they are on my side. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm in that funny, funny little spot where I have people that are not on my side that are on my side. And from that, I have forged some very interesting relationships that are supporting other people that might not have got any And you're support. opening eyes that otherwise might have been closed, right? Like, like you said, you, you fit in that, in that funny little area and that's eye-opening. Like, and that, that's, that's pretty incredible. I've been kissed by cowboy dads in the easternmost part of my state who <laughs> have a gay kid or or somebody in their life that was special needs sometimes i don't know but this affection that comes towards me from people is because i stood up for someone in their life that i've never met and i don't know what they're talking about <laughs> but they give me credit i'm that person that they can see the people who are standing up for someone they care about maybe so i have i've been blown away by who has come to my side and who has come to thank me. And often, you know, you know, if you're a, a mom of an LGBTQ youth in, in the very rural area and your kid's getting picked on all the time and you're scared to death for them and you got nobody to talk to about it. And I show up to talk at your local school district, you know, I'm a lifeline to some people, I think. And um, it's, it's uh, an emotional place to be sometimes it's, it's very, interesting the emotions that get thrown my way that maybe don't belong to me uh yeah. teacher of the year is a funny award everybody has a favorite teacher it seems they have a teacher that did something that changed their life or uh they come and they meet me or the other teachers of the year and we get all that love and it's not love for me it's love for their third grade teacher who saved them maybe but um i don't know i i think i've been given this rare opportunity to let people look into my heart and the return is they're letting me look into theirs. And I think it's moved people forward, at least in my circle. And maybe for a lot of teachers out there who are trying to figure out how to support uh, kids in their classroom, be they kids with special needs or, you know, LGBTQ youth. You know, it's, it's interesting because teachers are, are, struggling so much right now between shortages and pandemic and everything else. And 
you know, to, to listen to you take such a, a positive take on this. I mean, you've been through, basically you've been through hell and back and yet, you know, you are focused on the benefit of what, what transpired because of that. And if there's one teacher out there who's listening to this and says, you know what, this makes it easier for me to, to get, drag my ass out of bed and go to a school where I'm wearing a mask, where my admin isn't respecting me, you know, whatever people are going through right now, you know, that alone is, you know, something also, and because it's, it is about the kids, of course, but it's also about the teachers and, and about, you know, them feeling positive enough I mean, to support the kids and listening to your message. Does, yeah. You, you know, you'll miss that. That's me. And I'm, I'm, I'm in a relatively good place uh, in terms of like my school and my admin and all that stuff. But this job is, is exhausting right now. It's emotionally, physically, mentally, just exhausting. And I feel perked up. I feel like, man, I need to, I need to do better. I need to be more positive. I need to like, just from hearing all this. And, and I, I have you to thank for that, Brett. Like that's, oh. you. you know, well, all right. You know, I, I, I came out of this with a couple different lessons I could teach. And, um, you know, I, I, I guess I've always been that, you know, my glass is kind of half full. Or, or really, I'm more like, oh, there's still half a glass left. I get all excited, you know. So, <laughs> well, I, like I said, I, I know the district had a plan for me, and the plan was to like just crush me and leave me a little broken, whatever, on the side of the road. And um, I, I decided that I, I'm the one who defines my life. I'm the one who is going to understand my own impact, and it won't be what someone else is choosing for me. And I do hear from a lot of LGBTQ teachers. Um, you met me on Reddit because I was, you know, I, I listen and I pay attention. And when I see teachers struggling, I, you know, I send, you know, information for help. I offer curriculum that I've made, you know, whatever I can do to support these other teachers. I, I've just been offered this opportunity to kind of mentor a bunch of people I've never, ever met and to just share that you're going to go through some dark times and there's lighter times at the end of the tunnel and what you learn when you're in that tunnel might be the reason that you are going to make good change and good trouble. Okay. So we're going to make a little not so great trouble here and um, do our pop quiz segment where we ask you a ridiculous question and you respond, we respond and we find out a little bit more about you from a less serious side. So I'm going to ask Mr. E to go okay. first. This is an easy one. <laughs> what are you binge watching right now? Oh, binge watching. So easy. Okay, so so I don't have a TV. Um, I do have a computer though, but uh, back back when I when I was named teacher there, I was dirt poor. I worked for a district that really paid so poorly. And we had saved up money for TV and I got the award and I didn't own a suit. <laughs> so oh. put the suit, the TV money and bought a suit. And then, you know, we saved up some more for a TV and then you can't do 179 events in nine months with one suit. No, I tell you, you can try. <laughs> it's gross. So 
Probably so, not. You know, no. it was like, well, I need another suit. So we just kept, you know, I think I have three suits now and then Mike needed one. We had to get tuxedos because got invited to some fancy things. And so um, I don't. I, I see Mr. E saying like, I so carefully yeah. this conversation right now. <laughs> well, so what I've been doing though, I have been binge watching uh, Time Team on uh, Facebook and it's a British archaeology ah. show. And nice it's it's incredibly boring like you can't you don't have to watch it because you just hear the british people talking and that's kind of enough but they're always scratching in the dirt so you hear scratch 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 so mike's comment is Ugh, so what are you gonna watch to see him scratching in the dirt scratch 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 <laughs> so that's what i binge watch but i'll tell you i think i've seen all 19 seasons now and i'm kind of watching some of them for like the second time wow. they're all exactly the same and i can't even tell <laughs> It sounds it sounds so soothing. <laughs> scratch, scratch, scratch. It is. I I find yeah. it fascinating, and it's you know a lot of uh, archaeology, which is always fun. That is cool. Yo, miss. Yes, that is. Um, well, we are binge watching a couple of things. Um, I as I mentioned in the past, I'm a big you know British mystery person. I find it very soothing to you know, watch them solve the crime and, you know, not beat anybody up or whatever. So we're watching something called the Broken Wood Mysteries, which is a, uh, a, a light detective series from New Zealand. We also, you know, this is from your neck of the woods, Mr. E. We started the fourth season of Ozark uh, yesterday yeah. and we watched one episode and we will continue because we've watched, you know, the other three seasons. But after one episode, both Yo Mistra and I were like, we can't watch anymore today because this is so disturbing, you know, so, so we have to kind of take it slow. But so that's what we're doing. And you, Mr. E, what are you binge watching? Um, I just finished binge watching the, the Netflix Lost in Space series. How was that? I love it. They just kind of wrapped it up went for four seasons and it's just it's just good it's just got some great characters some good drama some some i love it okay so my question is and i don't know if you know this but is it the same characters that were on the original lost in space yeah <gasps> yeah oh my it's, god it's it's the robinsons yeah no robinson danger danger yeah. oh it's my god great. my youth it, my youth <laughs> it's so good you should really you should check it out okay i do have netflix we just never really use it we we thought we canceled it and then recently we realized oh no we've been paying for netflix for two years that we thought oh, no. <laughs> but i loved the yeah, lost in space was that it came on tv right after gilligan's island when i was yes! a kid yes. I love, I we, we are, we're right around the same age so yeah yeah absolutely it was yeah we, we totally totally are yeah no Any not you <laughs> go away youngster 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 oh my gosh if your listeners are on the teacher pay teacher i have a, a free kit to make a space station where you have to like design you know what kind of plants are you going to use in your space station these kind uh -huh. of plants make oxygen 24 hours a day these Ooh. only make oxygen when it's dark or light out you know i've got all these little uh, maps and things you have to do so it's a free space station kit anyone can now i'm on teachers pay teachers for tutoring stuff so i'm going to go check that out absolutely oh yeah i put a lot of free hands-on stuff and a lot of uh i do a lot of environmental posters because i'm like well i'll give them away free and then people will use them and teach the environment so i've given about 
80,000 pieces of curriculum away on there in five years. Nice. Yeah. Good job. All right. Well, I'm changing my question because I was, mine was more of a schooly question and I don't feel like asking that. So in honor of the um, nor'easter that we had this weekend, what is your favorite snow day activity or what would you envision as your favorite snow day? Am I first? Sure. You are because you are our esteemed guest. So we, we don't get snow all that often here in Portland. If we're, we're lucky if we get one a year, um, some year, mm-hmm. sometimes we go three years without any, but I live on a corner lot and my yard is very, uh, it's got little stone walls and little stone staircases and some fairy houses built in the walls and it is planted like nobody's business. So it's, it's a pretty cute little yard. Mm-hmm. And in the winter, <laughs> we get snow. I like to go out and shovel the snow on my sidewalk, but I do it in like a twisty path. So it kind of snakes around the whole, you know, because it's a corner. All my neighbors have to do 50 yards or 50 feet of snow, but I have, I have the whole corner too. So it's like 150. Mm -hmm, So I mm -hmm. do this like twisty little snow path all through it. And it drives Mike absolutely crazy. He thinks a path in the snow should be a straight line. Mm -hmm. There should be no deviations in that. And he uh, sounds like my dad. I put in my funny little pass and then I see Mike looking at the window, just this look like, oh, how could you do this to me? That's my favorite snow activity is making my little twisty pass. And I see yo, Mr. Here. He's like contemplating like, hmm, maybe I should try that next time in our driveway. I, you know, make it more fun and interesting. Mr. E, what, Mr. E, what do you, what is your favorite snow day? Uh, you know, I, I lived in, in New York uh, near Kingston, from about six to 11 mm-hmm. and we had a lot of snow days and some of those snow days i would leave the house with my sled at like seven in the morning and mm-hmm. i would not come home until dark because we were sledding down the infamous the kids called it killer hill it was supposed to be this like <laughs> huge hill there was like an urban legend that some kid tried to go down it in the summer on a skateboard and died like <laughs> Yeah. Um, wow. But we, I mean, we would just 12 hour days of just sledding down that hill and hauling your sled all the way back up and like it amazing, amazing day, like the, mm. the pinnacle snow day. And now I have, have kids and we don't get so much snow here, but it's, we still have some, some good snow days. And I'll tell you what, pelting your own, your own offspring in the face with a snowball is just the most satisfying thing it's it's great oh no actually pelting your spouse is far more satisfying well and then just, my daughter like saying. and then my daughter takes a snowball and shoves oh. it down the back of my pants and that's that's great and that's and that's payback yeah. if you pelted her in the face hey, you know i opened myself up for it the best thing is to throw snowball snowballs to your dog and watch her catch. Them. Yes. Yes. She <laughs> tries so hard to catch. Snow. It's great. She, she tries so hard and she's like waiting, you know, like, okay, throw it up. <laughs> so for me, I mean, you know, my snow days have changed since my kids grew up. So yesterday's snow day involved me not getting out of pajamas all day and binge watching and having a Bloody Mary later in the day and all that. But My favorite snow days were when my kids were younger because our house is on a a very small hill. I mean, it's it's an incline. It's not even a hill. But to little kids, this was the hill that they could go on to sled. And so 
the neighborhood kids would come over and they kind of up and down this hill. And I was the hot chocolate mom. So <laughs> when they got when they got cold, they'd come in. I'd put their gloves and everything in the dryer so they would dry so they could go back out with, you know, nice warm clothes and I would make hot chocolate with marshmallows in it and, and cookies and whatever. And it was just such a sweet, sweet time. You know, I miss that. That sounds awesome. It was, it, it was really quite awesome and makes me feel very old right now. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, before I get all teary here, we've had a lot of teary eyed moments during this, uh, during this episode, Brett, thank you again. It's just been wonderful to have you on yeah. and please come back. Sure. We'd love to have you back. Okay. Thanks again to Josie from Short Quest Long Rest for doing our intro. And thanks to Mrs. E for our artwork. And thank you once again to Scotty for making us sound so fabulous. And thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, if you like what we're doing here on the show, you can help us out in a couple different ways. First, you can spread the word about our show. Tell your friends, your enemies and frenemies, tell them all. Share us on social media with your teacher and non-teacher friends and leave us a review and rating uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts. You'll miss where can folks find us on social media? Mr. E, I'm going to tell you. All right. Uh, they can find us on Facebook at Will This Be On The Test Teacher Pod, on Instagram at WTBOTTCast, or Will This Be On The Test Teacher Pod, at our website, Will This Be On The Test Teacher Pod.podbean.com, or you can email us at WTBOTTCast at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Twitter at WTBOTT cast. You can find our subreddit at r backslash WTBOTT underscore teacher underscore pod. And you can also find us on YouTube by searching WTBOTT channel. Thank you once again for listening. We'll see you next time and stay safe. And remember to breathe. See ya.